Okay, Ken, I'm back again. Okay, what what's up now? <laughs> All right, so I'm pissed today. Actually, I'm pissed every single day about this. You know, I, I can always count on when you knock on my door, we got to get the microphones out and start talking because, <laughs> man, I'm learning so much from you. <laughs> well, I well, learn something from me every single day. Okay. <laughs> what, have, what have you learned today? Well, you know what? What I'm really angry about, and I've been like this for a while, is the idea that every single person that breaks a crime online is a quote-unquote hacker. Right? I mean, we, when we see something in the news, how is that person portrayed? That's that's broken into someone's account who's whatever. They're in a hoodie, right? Yeah, that's that's what the the public thinks yeah. about. Yeah. So, and that's that's kind of what I'm pissed about. Now, I was a cyber criminal. You notice I didn't say I was a hacker. I said I was a cyber criminal, and I wear that moniker somewhat with a degree of pride. Well, you certainly dress differently, goosey loafers and all that. That's Nikes. <laughs> so what, what I'm upset about, I'll tell you what, what we're going to talk about today, is this idea that every single person online who breaks a law is a hacker. doesn't matter if they're actually a, a computer scientist or what have you, or just an identity thief. The media, there's two problems. The media first portrays them as a quote-unquote hacker. They put them in a hoodie, in the shadows, typing on a keyboard in the shadows. I don't even know if you've ever tried to type in the dark, but it's harder than hell to begin with. Can't do it. Can't do it. And and one of these cyber criminals can't do it either. But yet that's how the media portrays them. Sometimes there's a fog machine going on too. So that's one of the issues. That's the media. But at the same time, we've got 7,000, 7,000 cybersecurity companies out there. And guess what? Of those 7,000, most of them are snake oil salesmen. I I don't doubt that one little they bit. They are. Yep. And you know what these snake oil salesmen want? They want whatever their customers are, whatever they're trying to sell, they want their customers to think that that criminal out there is this upper-tier computer, unquote, quote, hacker, able to break into any type of computer system they want to at will. Like, I gotcha, yeah, 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 and just get access. And... They are the only ones that can find the dark web. That's exactly right. You know. Now, there's a word for that online. It's called FUD, F-U-D, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. So okay. if you spread enough of that, the idea is that you, you've caused enough fear, uncertainty, and doubt, at least with the security companies, that, hey, we have to have these security companies because no one else can find this specter, this ghost out there. And from the media... Of course, the media, it benefits them to portray these criminals as hackers because boosts these damn ratings up all of a sudden. You know, this is sounding more and more like a presidential election. Go ahead. Oh, it does sound like a presidential election. It does. You know, we got the impeachment going on right now. Yeah. We do. Make America great again. I'm all about making America great again. You know what I would like to see? And I'm going to go off on a tirade on this one, too. What I would like to see is maybe... Maybe, no, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. I was going to say maybe an airplane would just land on Congress. <laughs> no, no. I guess I don't need no, to say that. No, we don't need to say that. All right, I apologize. But, I didn't need to say that. No. But hey, it would be hey, good. Folks, do not try this at home, okay? <laughs> it would be good, though, if they all just kind of disappeared from the face of the planet. Both parties. Both parties, absolutely. Yes. 
I really think that we would do a better job running the country by ourselves without Congress up there, <laughs> without the executive and the legislative branch. I think we'd be much better off. Topic for another day. All right, topic for another day. So where are we going with this? i tell you where we're going with this. FUD. So FUD, fear, uncertainty, doubt, the hacker, cyber criminal. Today's episode is demystifying the cyber criminal. I am sick and tired of every single person breaking a law online, being called a hacker, everyone being told that they're untouchable, unstoppable, you can't find them, they're upper tier, just computer scientists, and they're just extraordinary. We'll never be able to arrest them. I'm sick of that. You know, there are millions of real hackers out there. Give me a definition, I, and right. I want to put that into an analogy for you. I'll tell you what. I'm going to use the Wikipedia definition okay. because everyone knows that you can trust Wikipedia completely. Oh, of course. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay, so maybe you can't, but we're still going to use the definition. The definition on Wikipedia for hacker, a computer hacker is any skilled computer expert that uses their technical knowledge to overcome a problem. While quote-unquote hacker can refer to any skilled computer programmer, the term has become associated in popular culture with a quote-unquote security hacker, someone who, with their technical knowledge, uses bugs or exploits to break into computer systems. Mm -hmm. That is the Wikipedia. Of computer hacker. Right. Now, that being said, a hacker... The term hacker with computer use appears to be the first real indication of that was at MIT many, many years ago. And they were doing software uh, uh, testing and, and developing, you know, figuring out the bugs of software, fixing that and doing this, this electrical problems and everything else. As time grew, hacker becomes more and more associated with criminal intent by the media. Mm -hmm. And as time grows even more, we have this cybersecurity culture now of, the, of these security providers that they say to themselves, you know, why do we, we could be honest, we could say that, you know, 98, 99% of the cyber criminals out there are unsophisticated. They don't really know a damn thing in the world. They're just using off-the-shelf products. But if we're honest, maybe our potential customers won't sign on with us. So it's probably better if we paint these cyber criminals as untouchable, that only we can save them. Right. So what I'm doing today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk to a gentleman named Chris Roberts. I've heard that name. Chris Roberts is best known. He doesn't like to talk about this much, but he's best known for hacking into a United Airlines plane in the air. What was going on is he was, he, he had found flaws with the airline system, plane specifically, because a plane is just a moving data center. That's it. And guess what? Little to no security on that moving data center. So Chris and his team had been talking about this, had been publishing things about this. One of the airlines comes up and says, oh no, we're completely secure. Chris is in the air, I guess, when he reads this article. Chris gets pissed off. So he shows them exactly how secure they are by posting a tweet about it in midair, which causes him a lot of issues. And he'll talk about this during the episode. I met Chris about a year and a half ago in Turkey. So I was invited to, by a company called Innovera. It was me, Benjamin Gelpi, who created Mimikatz. It was uh, uh, Chris Roberts, and it was also um, Jaya Balu, who was the head of uh, KPS Telecom in, the, uh, in Amsterdam, the head of uh, cyber there, the CISO, I'm sorry. So we all four got together, 
And we were, it was, it was extraordinary. It was. First of all, Innovera had us at a converted palace on the Bosphorus in Turkey. I mean, in Istanbul. It was absolutely fantastic. We went to the Spice Bazaar. We went to the Main Bazaar. I mean, it was just wonderful. <laughs> and of course, I got to meet Chris. And Chris was just, Chris is an amazing, outstanding guy. He really is. And he's a lot of fun. You know, in Istanbul there, they had the... I went there after that Khashoggi guy had been murdered in Istanbul by at the Saudi embassy. I remember that. A couple, three weeks after that is when this event take, t took place, all right? So what I wanted to do is I wanted to get a saw, because, you know, they sawed him up. I wanted to get a saw and stand outside of the Saudi embassy and take a selfie holding the saw. I thought it would be very funny. <laughs> Chris thought it was just too early to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so we didn't do that. Home. So that's where I met Chris. Chris has really been adamant. Not only is, is he just a, a card, an outstanding and amazing human, but he, he's one of the top guys in cybersecurity. He understands the problems of cybersecurity, threat intel, everything else, unlike most human beings on the planet. He is better at that than most anyone. Actually, I don't know of anyone that is better than Chris Roberts on this stuff. He's just amazing. He, he now works with a company called Ativo that does deception technology, which basically an attacker hits a, hits a, hits a system, a company, and Ativo has a product that funnels the attacker someplace else and kind of fucks with them while that's going on. Kind of like the a honeypot turned to 11 all of a sudden. So that's what Ativo does, and Ativo is outstanding as well. Chris works with them now, kind of a spokesperson and a consultant with them as well. So I wanted to talk with Chris. What he does is, we're both on LinkedIn. And typically what happens is, is you'll have one of these cybersecurity companies or worker or whatever. They'll post a, an article, link to it about a cyber criminal. And always the article has someone pictured in a hoodie. Chris has been adamant about every single time he sees that, hey, this is not a hacker. I'm a hacker, is what he says. Me, Chris Roberts, I'm a hacker. This guy is a criminal. And I'm the same way. I don't call my associates hackers. We were criminals. I was a criminal. I was not a hacker. So I wanted to bring Chris in to discuss that, to talk about the differences between a criminal and a hacker. We also discuss a couple other things, some of Chris's history, Chris's view on privacy, everything else. And this is this conversation we're going to listen to today. Looking forward to it. Welcome to the Anglerfish Podcast, where we navigate the dark waters of our online lives. I'm your host, Brett Johnson. Season one of Anglerfish tells the story of my rise and fall as the original internet godfather, and how I was able to turn from a life of crime to now being focused on protecting people from the type of person I used to be. This second season of the Anglerfish Podcast dives into the deepest, darkest waters of our online lives. We'll be discussing fraud and financial cybercrime, sure, but also human trafficking, drugs, cyberbullying, fake news, extremist groups, nation-state attacks, child pornography, and more. Anglerfish believes shedding light on the darkest parts of the Internet helps us to better understand the problems and find solutions instead of living in a world of fear. Welcome to the Anglerfish Podcast.
And on this episode of the Anglerfish Podcast, we are bringing in the amazing, the outstanding Chris Roberts. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. I cannot tell you how honored I am to have you on the show. Thanks, Brett. Much appreciated. Pleasure and honor is all mine. Um, absolutely fantastic to be hanging out with you. Uh, it's, it's, I, I tell you, Chris, it's completely my pleasure. The reason I wanted you to come on, Chris, is, you know, we're both on LinkedIn and you're pretty adamant that when someone posts an article, because there are hundreds, thousands of breaches a year across the planet, when, and usually when they post an article about that, the attacker is shown in the shadows, perhaps with a fog machine going, typing on a keyboard that no one can really see. It's in, it's in darkness as well. And they're always wearing a hoodie. And you're the guy who always comes out and says, oh, another Nazgul from The Hobbit. So <laughs> I wanted to bring you on to talk about that, but also to, to talk about a couple of other things. But before we begin that, how about introducing yourself to the audience? Because honestly, I mean, everyone should know who you are, but there are, I'm sure there are a few out there who don't. So if you could tell the audience who you are, what you do now, all that good stuff, we'd appreciate it. Yeah, totally. Thank you, sir. So current, uh, current home is Ativa Networks the chief security strategist over there. So my role is to basically help the detection and deception technology think how we think from the attackers and adversary side of things. Okay. Um, and, and what does the TiVo do now? Uh, it's all detection and deception technology. So if you take the old world of honeypots that we used to love and care and feed and nurture like 15, 20 years ago. <laughs> right. We kind of made them nasty. We turned them into like old grumpy ass people like we can be sometimes and then, and then just basically drop them in, camouflaged inside an enterprise environment and let them beat the living snot out of anything that they find. It's kind of fun to watch. Outstanding. Yeah. And how long have you been with the TiVo? Oh, like a year and a half, year and a half, two years, year and a half or so, something like that. So prior to that, similar kind of an organization. Then prior to that, obviously, a bunch of my own companies, research stuff, which I still do a lot behind the scenes. Right. And I guess what most people would know you for is hacking airplanes. Yeah, either that or if they go back even further, it was hacking countries. We hacked Nigeria many, many years ago because <sighs> we got fed up with all the scams, all the 419 scams. So we basically well, sure. hacked back. <laughs> So if you don't, because I'm not familiar with that, you know, I know the yeah. airplane history and everything, but so what happened with the, the hacking of Nigeria? So I ended up doing a, I did a, a show, a TV thing for about four episodes. And it was all about this poor lady in Oregon that basically got her ass handed to her. She lost like several hundred thousand. And it was because of that, a number of us basically literally sat down over a week with several bottles of good whiskey and bourbon. And um, <laughs> we literally scanned Nigeria. We scanned a whole bunch of other countries and other things. We figured out where a lot of the adversaries and the guys that were scamming this country were operating from. There were a couple of folks of us who had been dealing with the Nigerian scams for quite a number of years. Right. And we pretty much just hacked back and we went after the bank accounts. We took money out of quite a lot of well-known <laughs> European <laughs> banks. <laughs> And then somebody had to call EFF and the feds up and go, hey, we got this money and it's not ours. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what happened to the money? Um, they actually, to their credit, they actually managed to give a bunch of it back to folks that they were able to. And Outstanding. So we, we, took, uh, we took care of a few people, which was kind of So cool yeah, you've been, uh, you've been, you know, as you know, my, my entry into being a good guy has, <laughs> has not been very long. <laughs> I'm <laughs> trying to make up, but you've, it sounds like you've been a good guy the entire span. Oh, yeah, it depends. Okay, yeah, I've been 
good, but I but I've kicked a lot of people in the shin, shall we say? <laughs> well, sometimes you need to. <laughs> oh God! And up the side, their head with a flipping with with the damn blade you're you're digging their burial area with. I swear it sometimes. Yeah, it's um yeah. So is that what happens with with the United? It was United, right? The plane. Oh yeah. Well, it was. I mean, so what happened is, I mean, we basically spent between 2009 and about 2013 doing a ton of research on avionics flight services, and we tried disclosing. Now, probably not the most responsible way possibly, which is why, like uh, a couple of us in the I am the cavalry, got a little sideways, and I think it's a little more healed now. I hope it is a lot more healed now. But it was. And unfortunately, a lot of people only ever saw the media reports and the FBI reports. And the FBI report was written by people who shouldn't be allowed colored crayons. <laughs> um, now, 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 I have to say, to their credit, there, we, we've spoke about this you know, off, off recording. There are, there are many agents who are outstanding. There are some. <laughs> that as you say should not be allowed colored crayons they ate the box i mean i swear <laughs> there are some of them that ate all 64 colors i, I mean <laughs> but you're right i mean to your point there are some absolutely freaking amazing ones it's, it's the same thing with any any of the dot gov and dot intel side and, and dot mill side there are some absolutely freaking outstanding people right that you really want to help you really want to sit down and go look I will make time. I will do what I can. And actually, to Ativo's credit, they actually let me do a, f- a decent amount of the stuff. Tony Cole, who's my boss, is freaking fantastic because he's so plugged into that world. He's like, right. yeah, go off and help, you know, agencies and various other folks. But there are definitely some who, who are dangerous with crayon. <laughs> <laughs> so so you, what happened with United? You know, to, to hear it now, and, yeah. and I guess these stories get bigger and bigger as they, yeah. as they grow. But to hear it now, you know, you talk to some people who have never met Chris Roberts. They've never really read about it. They've just heard the, the legends. And it's like, oh, you know, he was on the plane. He caused the damn thing to fly sideways in midair. Oh, so- <laughs> if I know. Bless him. Got a lot of when you read. Again, you know the deal. I mean, you read a media report. Oh, and yeah. Report and you take it as gospel. So long story short, we did the research from nine to 13, give or take a bit. Sure. We talked to both Airbus and Boeing extensively. We tried talking to, well, we talked to Panasonic and talked to, tried talking to Talas as well and right. really didn't get anywhere. Um, at that time, they weren't willing to listen. What we ended up doing, honestly, was handing a lot of stuff over to two of the intelligence agencies who thankfully have done a bunch since then. Right. But 2013 wasn't getting anywhere. 2014 I, I will be honest, I got totally frustrated with the whole thing and kind of gave it up as a bad job and went off and started basically packing ships and trains. Okay. Um, fast forward to the very first part of 2015, the FAA releases a mandate off of a bunch of the research that a number of us had done and said, hey, there are problems. You know, there's, there's... <laughs> so, so finally, there are problems. <laughs> yeah, you know, what, six, five, six years after we, after we started going, hey, you got issues, they were like, hey, you got problems. Right. The challenge is one of those particular airline manufacturers in question put a retort back, published it everywhere and said, absolutely not. Everything's fine. Don't oh, look behind the green curtain. So I just was, denial right out of the gate. That's the oh, best yeah. avenue for them is what they thought. Absolutely. Yeah. Because wow. I mean, they got more PR and more of anything than anybody else. So they basically sure. turned around and said, no, no problem. Everything's fine. Well, what had happened, two things. Prior to that, I'd actually sat down with the FBI who wrote the report and had said, look, you know, there are a number of times I access planes in the air, I access them on the ground, yada, yada, yada. So they had this. Then you go to somebody sends me 
the the uh, I think it was actually Airbus, not Boeing. I'm okay. going to blame Airbus for him. It was actually Airbus retorted to it and said, "No, everything's fine." I was actually on a plane at the time, and I'm and I I mean I was not a happy bunny. Somebody sent it, <laughs> and so I pulled up the the flight manual, the entire in-flight manual, and all of so be you know obviously an airplane is nothing more than a flying set of computers. Absolutely, big and data the, center in the air. Pretty much, yeah. And at the center of one of those, there's a nice server that holds all the data, the intelligence, and a whole bunch of the flight manuals. So I pulled up the flight manuals. And I looked up the code to drop the uh, the oxygen masks and depressurize the system. Okay. And I just posted that on Twitter. I'm like, you know what? It, <laughs> whatever it was I said, I'm like, you know, it's a mess. And here's the code that I could actually depressurize the plane at the same time if I really <laughs> wanted to. I obviously didn't do anything. But, you know, I'm like, okay, it's that fucking open and you're that insecure that if I wanted to really annoy you, I'll do, I'll induce hypoxia and then we'll see who's right. Right. So it landed in Chicago, unbeknownst to me, apparently some federal folks were, were a little upset. So they ended up picking me up on the end of the next leg in Syracuse, New York. Okay. And uh, then they pulled all of the FBI reports that I'd handed over to another agency and threw oh. them at me, unfortunately, without doing any kind of validation or even looking at me going, hey, were you right? Or was this right? So... So they just then. they just acted. They didn't think at all. They just correct. Oh, jeez, jeez. Yeah, geez. and then the the guys here in Colorado played a visit to the house a number of times, and a couple of times waited until I was out of the house and went after somebody else that was in the house. So totally underhand tactics, total BS moves. And so I, you know, and I went after them. I I went for their throat, and uh, thankfully EFF got involved, and they basically. Department of Justice turned around to the FBI and said, leave him alone and give him all his equipment back. And they turned around to me and basically said, leave the FBI alone and stop pissing them off so much. <laughs> so, so I guess now you guys are, are kind of on what kind of terms? <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know, it depends. I, I was out at, uh, so CyberShield and CyberYankee are two amazing exercises run by the National Guard. They, they right. involve local law enforcement, state, federal, and it, it's all basically cyber defense, incident response, and everything else. And there's always FBI folks there. And those folks I've gotten on well with. Um, there's a couple of guys at HQ that I think are absolutely fantastic. But the the Wombles that are here in town and a couple of the folks in a few other places are still, I, I wouldn't trust with a box of crayons. But sure. I'll help if I can. You know the deal on that. I, I do. And, and, and just, just to your credit, I mean, you are... You know, I, I came out saying you were amazing and outstanding. The truth of the matter is you are amazing and outstanding. No, you you truly me. are, Chris. I mean, you, I know you're just you, but at the same time, by God, you are you are one hell of a human being. And uh, thank you. I, I, I'm honored to know you. I truly am. What I was wanting to, to bring you on about is as I've continued talking and, become, and going through this, this life change of becoming this legal person, it started out with me talking how cybercrime itself is not rocket science. It's not sophisticated. The attacks that we see, if they do use some sort of sophisticated malware or something like that, that, that malware is typically purchased from, you know, off the shelf provider or something like that. And as I've continued talking, you know, I've, I've been migrating more and more toward it's not hackers, it's criminals. A hacker is, is someone who is completely different than what we're seeing these cyber criminals do. Yet yeah. more and more, not even more and more, but yet always, we see the media that portrays cyber criminals as these upper tier computer hackers able to break into any type of computer system. They're untouchable, they're unstoppable, you can't catch them. It's not only the media, but it's also 
we've got what 7,000 security companies out there and they're adamant about portraying a cyber criminal as the same type of specter that you can't touch, that you have to have our product in order to protect yourself against these quote unquote hackers. Uh, the reason I wanted you on here is because you're, 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 diligent. I mean, you are on top of all of these articles that are posted pointing out, Hey, they aren't hackers. Hey, this, this hoodie thing, that's, that's insane. What are you guys doing? So I just wanted to, to kind of bring you in so we could talk about how we can go about demystifying the cyber criminal. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's a tough one. It's, um, and, and then unfortunately, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. As an industry, we need there to be, a, for whatever reason, there seems to be this desire to have a level of mystery over you know the the unknown and the the hey you you can't stop these uh, the people that you can't see inside the environment and then you know obviously from the attacker's perspective and criminal perspective having that mystery is obviously very very useful right but for now you, a lot now, of us now you yeah. are a hacker yes? yeah oh yeah so, totally. so I mean, yeah. for for all the uneducated out there cuz we're talking to more than just cybersecurity and honestly the cybersecurity people need to hear this shit too yep for everyone out there why don't you explain exactly what a hacker is so we can all finally be on the same page <laughs> man it would be nice wouldn't it it would be nice so there's there are a number of definitions out there and i think most of us identify with a very simple one which is it doesn't matter what it is. There's a box in that box can be a computer. It can be an IOT device. It can, heck it can be a wheel. A hacker is going to look at that and go, Hey, I see how it functions, but let me look at it further. Let me investigate it. Let me maybe take it to pieces. Let me play with it. Let me put it back together. How I feel it should be put together again. And let's see if we can make it work better. Let's see if we can do something different with it. Let me see what else I can make it do that maybe you as the builder of that box wasn't able to do or wasn't able, weren't capable of doing. I mean, it's, it's, Without the hacker community, there's so much that we wouldn't have, let alone the awareness and the understanding of the environments that we're working in. But I mean, if you think about it, I mean, from a hacker standpoint, you hack something together. It's like, okay, I'm going to make it work. I'm going to reverse engineer it. I'm going to play with it. I'm going to see what makes it tick. You know, there is that argument to say, if the world ever does come to an end, the last thing is going to be, there will be a hacker sitting over the button that says, don't press. They'll have it in pieces <laughs> and they'll be diligently just like poking at various bits of it to see what happens. And there'll be this, the last sound we will ever hear is, whoops, <laughs> whoops. <laughs> now I know. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, that's the mentality of it when you think about it. And, and it's, and our, our use and our life in society is to almost be that, you know, be that weird voice that comes in and somebody's built this amazing widget that'll take you from point A to point B. From a hacker's perspective, I'm going to be like, okay, well, that's cool, but can I go to point C, D, E, F, and Z? And they're sure. like, well, what's the sign for that? Well, I get it, but can we do that? Is it possible? What if I do this to it? What if I try this to it? So it's that thinking and looking outside of the box to partly to figure things out, but also partly to help people with the box actually work more effectively. And you see, that's, that's one of the things that, that I think that people are missing right there. That last bit that you said, because I, I can kind of see from a cyber criminal point of view, being a former cyber criminal of, of looking at either online systems or real world systems and, and trying to figure out ways around that to steal information, access data, cash, but what it lacks, it lacks that second thing that you said, that, that 
to help make things better. A, a, a criminal has no intention whatsoever of ever helping anyone but himself. Right. So am I wrong in thinking that? I mean, what do you think about that? No, I think you're right. And I think a big part of it comes down to the ethics and the the morals and the morals, morals right. of the whole thing. And it's one of those interesting, you know, that I, I made the mistake. I turned around and said, look, there's black and there's white, but there's gray in the middle. And that's, you know, that's where we will operate. Perfect example. I mean, we deal with the agencies a lot. Sure. They have black and white. They can't step over certain lines we don't necessarily have those same constraints to gather intelligence that will help them. You know, that's strange you said that people. because I, I'm, 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 I'm definitely in that gray area these days. And, and yeah. at the same time, the, mor- the morals, they're there. So it's no longer this idea of, of doing things for just for Brett Johnson. It's what can I do to make things better? And that's, you're right. I mean, government agencies and things like that, they, they have strict lines. We cannot cross this. I, I'm aware of that now with some of the work I'm doing with the FBI, Yeah, that, that there's certain things that they, by God, they just can't do that. But you know, Brett, you can. And that's, yeah. that's, that's the weird thing is, um, yeah. you know, I, I hadn't really thought about that until we started talking about the, about it right here, Chris is, is the, the ethics part of hacking yeah. is really one of the big defining parts of it. Without the ethics, you're just a criminal. Correct, exactly. And, and I think that is probably more than, more than defining, you know, I go after banks or I go after healthcare, or I go after, I think it, it comes down to that. And those are very, very, you know, internally driven things. And you're right, I've done, I've managed to stay for the most part on the right side. I've, I've annoyed enough people in my past <laughs> but I've done it for the right, for what I consider the right reasons. You know, sure, your, your moral compass has, has always pointed in the direction of the proper, the good, the benefit yeah. of others. Now, how the hell I get there sometimes is, you know, this, this, <laughs> <laughs> well, doesn't, isn't that, isn't that though, you just said it, how the hell you get there. That is the hacker mentality. I think so. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, you know, I would imagine if Josh Coleman and the crew and some of the other folks from, uh, from, from uh, the cavalry are listening they're probably they're probably squeaming a little bit because i mean they have a very very well defined and amazing way of doing things that i would i couldn't do i mean i have a huge amount of kudos for the fact that they will go into dc and onto capitol hill and fight legally and go through all the battles and all the laws and, and all the paperwork a bollocks to that. I will literally just go out there. I will point to a ship and go, I can turn that over in Oakland Harbor. Fix your crap. Yeah. And, and for the, for the people who didn't hear that, he just said that he could turn that over in Oakland Harbor, fix your crap. So that, that, that there are problems out there that you, I mean, you're right. God bless those people that, that go up to Washington and fight through regulation and everything else. But yeah. at the end of the day, I mean, people like you that are able to, hey, yeah, you guys can do all that all you want to. I'm like that. I don't have time for that. I yeah, want to get I, to the point right now. This is the problem. You guys need to fix this immediately. Well, I think it's, it's even more. I, I, I've been talking about this probably for the last, I don't know, a couple of talks or whatever. But it's getting to a stage. I mean, you think about it. You think about when we, when we were basically hacking stuff, man, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. The worst we could ever do was take a couple of computers offline or take a server or a system down. You fast forward to now. Right. When we screw up, when we in the IT and information security industry screw up, 
when we release software that isn't right or we don't patch something or a vendor or supplier drops something and refuses to patch it, we kill people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so the whole idea of calling us to the carpet to fix things is no longer just simply doing it for the sake of it or doing it for a bug bounty. It's doing it because we're at a stage where if we don't keep ourselves honest and we don't have the hacker community focusing, we're going to kill a lot more people before somebody stands up and goes, hey, we need to do this differently. I agree. And, and, and you know, it's funny that... Uh... Today I was talking to, to uh, an associate of mine and he asked for a couple of quotes for a presentation in the UK that he's given to Barclays. And um, what I said was, as I said, you know, we're going to see a catastrophic attack. And I was talking about, th about, the, about the financial institution system. And yeah. it occurs to me what you're saying. I mean, that, that's money. So yeah, you could, I think that we're due for an attack on the, the financial industry that's going to wipe out people's entire accounts across one banking platform or what have you. I, I think that's coming. But what you're saying, and I think you're absolutely right, is, is you, know, you take the shipping industry, the airline industry, the transportation segment. A catastrophic attack there kills a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, we, we had it. We had it, you know, the other year with when uh, WannaCry hit the UK healthcare industry pretty heavily. Right. And we saw issues and incidents there. We see more and more of it. And you look at where technology is going in, you know, biotech, nanotech. You look at where it's going in other areas. We're influencing and we're doing it without thinking of the consequences. And, you know, be it airline, airlines is unfortunately an easy one. Boeing has become an easy target because of the issues they've seen. But... You take that to automate, you know, automotives and you look at the intelligence that's being built into those without necessarily the same due process that you would like to see in other kind of security products. It's getting better and they're addressing it, but we're not building it in such a way where we could stand behind it and go, hey, that car that has 50 to 100 million lines of code, yeah, you know what, that's about as good as we can do it from the code standpoint and not bug free because that's impossible. But it shouldn't harm anybody because we can't do that anymore. So do you, do you think that we're do a catastrophic attack on one of these industries like that? Oh, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I mean, we're obviously, I mean, this year started off with, with a, has started off with a hell of a mess. I mean, the amount oh, yeah. of ransomware attacks on schooling and government systems and various other things, is just getting ridiculous now. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm friends with a person that works with, uh, with one company that they do basically, they do the, the negotiation for ransomware. That one company, it's not even a huge company, but that one handles about $30 million worth of ransomware negotiations a week. Jeez. Yeah, it's an absolutely insane. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. And that's, that's not going away anytime soon. No, I mean, <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, it's a cash cow. We know that. And unfortunately, so do the folks on the other side of the table. It's a very, very lucrative cash cow. Because again, again, you talk the human element. This come, always comes back to a human. As humans, we don't want to change unless we personally have not even been affected, but have actually suffered harm. We can actually go, ouch, or something has actually hurt us physically. We don't want to change. You right. lose a credit card, eh, you get another one in the post. You lose this, you get another one. And until somebody actually hurts us or harms us, we really don't seem to want to change. Sure, sure. I agree with you. So, of course, that brings us to, to the criminal point of view of things. And, and again, I'm pretty adamant about saying that, you know, 98, 99% of the cyber criminals out there, they're not sophisticated. They're good social engineers. They know how to manipulate someone 
using the tech that's available and human psychology to give up information, access, data, cash, that type of thing. Yep. Uh, the tools they're using are off the shelf tools. So, you know, it's, it's, I can understand, I can understand why the media is so big on painting hackers, you know, cyber criminals as hackers that, you yep. know, you use that word that that's a catch all phrase. It's easy to remember, you know, it's, it, it, it brings up because of the media that they're responsible for the picture it brings up of that person in the hoodie, in the shadows. So, you know, it drives ratings, but I mean, how do we change not only the media's perception, but also the cybersecurity professional's perception of what an online criminal is? I think it's a tough one. And it is, you know, I've had a number of people online say, oh, you know, you're fighting against a tidal wave. And I think you're right. To your point, 7,000 vendors out there, each one of them is vying to get everybody's attention. And the faceless, you know, hooded Nazgul is is a really easy one because we all identify with it. It, it kind of talks to the inner child, you know, the bogeyman, the thing under the, the bed and all of that. It's like the hidden mysterious figure. I mean, right. you know, you've only got to look at authors. I mean, J.K. Rowling is being a perfect example. That's why we have the specters that she built because they look that way. That's why we have the Nazgul because they look that way. And welcome to the hacker community. Unfortunately, that's what they're trying to picture us. I don't know. I mean, I think it has to start with us. I think it has to start with the community. It has to start with holding our own people accountable. And enough of us, if enough of us actually stand up and say, hey, this is wrong. Number one, put a face to it. I mean, you know this as well as I do. You sure. put a face to a criminal, all of a sudden you demystify it. And as humans, we can relate. Absolutely. And that, that's one of the big things. I mean, it's it, when you've got someone, when you've got that perception that, that the media and again, 7,000 security companies, and I won't hesitate to say that there's a good majority of those companies that are snake oil salesmen. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I think that, you know, if, if you've got a great product and a TiVo does, if you've got a great product, if you build it, they will come. You don't have to lie. You don't have to embellish. You don't have to paint the attackers as untouchable. You can just have a great product and people will come to your service at that point. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, hell, I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I, and you're right. I think that's the challenge. There is no easy answer to your point. I mean, we've got a good product. We do what we do well and we're good at it. But I, you know, I even have to have the occasional word internally to the marketing team and go, hey, we've got to think about this carefully. We've got to position this. We have to take that high road. You know, we can't sink down to putting a faceless, you know, hooded, bespeckled, whatever in there, you know, put a face to it, put something to it. Think about using different words. You know, you talk about cyber criminal, use criminal, use cyber criminal, use right. adversary, you know, use something. Anything um, except the word hacker, which again, spawns that, that image yeah. of something that's untouchable. And yeah. you're right. You put a face to it. You put an actual face to these people. And I, you know, I've got uh, in my presentations to this day, I still show pictures of these cyber criminals, myself included, to to give an idea so the audience understands. Hey, these aren't these aren't untouchable. These guys, they all ended, you know, either dead, twenty years in prison, something like that. I mean, these yeah. people are touchable. You can do something against online crime. Right. And that's, I think that's the big one. It's, it's, it is. And it's also for a general public thing as well. You know, we all talk about the scams and 
you know, how do we deal with those? And again, same thing, you put a face to it. I remember the years ago with the Nigerian scams, the challenge we all had on the forums was how many of us could literally get one of the Nigerian scammers holding either like a wet fish or something, <laughs> you know? I mean, good grief. We had competitions <laughs> as to the most obscure thing that we could get these bloody scammers to hold so that, A, we could identify them and start patrolling and getting their intel. Sure. But also, you know, hell, on the online forums, the Nigerian scammer holding literally a dead wet fish with a right. sign saying, hello, Chris, or hello, Fred. Was, was like, <laughs> that was like double points. It was awesome. I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, so one more question before we, because we're running out of time and everything. Yeah. So I, one of the things that I've been with Brett Johnson, you know, I, I used to be the, the criminal and everything else like that. And I've got this, my viewpoint on privacy. Yeah. What I think about that is, for example, I, I despise what's his face that's over there in the UK, or not the UK, but in in, in Russia, um, Snowden. I, I despise that guy uh, right. simply simply because I have a lot more respect for uh, uh, Manning than I do for Snowden. Because at least Manning stuck around stateside to answer for what she did. But yeah. uh, my my opinion, I, I'd like to get your opinion on that too. My, my opinion is is that you know. Yes, privacy is is kind of non-existent online, but at the same time, all the data that's out there can be used to protect us from these adversaries that are out there as well. So, what do you think about online privacy? Is it uh, is it something that I mean, I, I know it's important, but don't we need at some point to to have all of that data to try to protect people as well, or not? Yeah, I'm it's it and you're right. It's a huge tough thing. I mean, do we should we have known what the surveillance was? Uh, I don't know, yes and no. I, there is a big part of me that says no because right. To your point, unfortunately what we hear is always the negative stuff. What we rarely see or hear in the press, partly because we're not allowed to say anything, is the amount of times people's lives have been saved. Exactly. Man, exactly. Yeah. You know, for every for every one or two people that are upset about the fact that we've got a direct pipeline into, you know, all the major players, we've saved hundreds of people that would have otherwise been blown up or something would have otherwise happened. Now, saying that, that comes, taking that data comes with a lot of responsibilities. First and foremost, actually making sense of it. That is one thing that we still struggle with. Sure. The ability to take all that information and use it effectively. Then secondly, it's how is that data being used? Um, you know, I'm over in Israel on a semi-regular basis. They profile and they are very adamant about it. They don't care about it. And that's how they work. And it's very effective. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's it. But we're not allowed to do that for a whole bunch of different reasons. And right. if you're going to do that, you have to do it with so many controls and you have to be careful about it. And that data that you have, you have to be the best custodians of that data. Um, it was Ring, I think. Was it just Ring that just got nailed? They, it was Ring, absolutely. To their credit, to their credit, they put their hand up and said, hey, we just dismissed X number of people because they were looking at people's you know, video feeds. And I'm like, thank you. Right. I hate, and I they admitted want... it. So that, that's yes. excellent as well. Exactly. And that's what I'm happy about because I'm like, okay, you're collecting the data, which I'm you know, on the fence about, but at least you are trying to be, in that instance, good custodians of that data.
Now it's, I, I actually have no problem. I mean, you and I are probably in the same boat. There are more people looking at everything that we do than I care to think of. Absolutely. And I have no problem with that whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Cause if I am going to do it, I mean, if I, if a, if I'm going to do anything stupid, I'm sure as hell I'm not going to do it under my own ID. Let's exactly. <laughs> um, exactly. Same yeah. thing here. <laughs> oh my God, totally. But if there is somebody coming at me or there is something happening or from my standpoint, if any of my own systems trigger, then at least I've got advanced warning. At least I can take precautions. You know, that comes down to actual doing intelligence gathering and understanding. So, and it's trying to be, you know, uh, it's tough. If the U.S. government could actually effectively look after the data they have, and not use and basically manage it and control it effectively. I don't right. have a problem with them having it. It's unfortunately when stuff gets leaked out or stuff leaves or humans again misuse their power, which happens often. Without a doubt. I know, yeah, and that's it. If I, if I, you know, if you had a pool of data of everybody inside the U.S. and that pool of data, I mean, this is uh, again talking to the Israeli folks. They have a they have a, a segment of the government that does nothing more than look at traffic coming in and out of the country. They do it because as soon as a website defacement happens to a company, they're aware of it. As soon as somebody's trying to be scammed or attacked, they're aware of it. We need that here because this country is so freaking soft underbelly, and we're such an easy target. And the problem is, is of the three hundred million there's probably only 3 million maybe that actually know how to adequately protect themselves. I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. If that, if that. Yeah, I think you're right, probably. And so who the hell is going to look after the other 290 plus million people in this country? Nobody. Right. So the gun that you're currently wandering around, you know, the U.S. with, sure as hell isn't going to help protect you. The computer you've put antivirus on is worthless. <laughs> and at that point, if you can't look after yourself, I hate to say it, Big Brother probably should be keeping an eye out before you end up with another Russian bride in the post. I would agree. I would agree. Chris Roberts. <laughs> I cannot tell you. I, the, the conversation has been great. It is. Uh, we've not touched base in a while. And I know. It's good. I'm glad we did. Let's put it that way. It's freaking awesome. Thank you so much for appearing on the Anglerfish podcast. We really do appreciate it. Absolute honor. Absolute pleasure. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Anglerfish podcast. I appreciate it. If you like it, please subscribe and drop me a line saying hello. Hello is always good. You can reach me direct at brettjohnson at anglerfish.com. That's brett, B-R-E-T-T, Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N, at anglerfish, A-N-G-L-E-R-P-H-I-S-H dot com. Other than saying hello, feel free to email questions, comments, concerns, or even show suggestions. I respond to every single email I get. And please, tell your friends about us. Rate and review Anglerfish wherever you can. As Anglerfish continues to navigate the dark waters of our online lives, remember, stay safe, stay secure, and stay vigilant.